1: Welcome to Chasing Hardware, the podcast that sits down with the sports figures you grew up with and hears their stories. Welcome to Chasing Hardware. I'm your host, Rich Lamello. My guest today was a key part in both the Doomsday 1 and Doomsday 2 defenses in Dallas. In his career, he recorded 41 interceptions and had seven fumble recoveries. In the playoffs, he added nine more picks, still tied for the all-time record, and had three more fumble recoveries. In an astounding five different playoff games, he accounted for two or more turnovers, and it won't surprise you that his teams went to five Super Bowls, and they won two. Suffice to say, my guest is a Dallas Cowboys legend. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Chasing Hardware, Mr. Charlie Waters. Charlie, welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for giving me a call. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, well, Charlie, I always like to, you know, dig a little bit into, you know, a, a, an athlete's background, you know, kind of where they're from, their high school years, all that stuff. In your case, you're born in Miami, but you're you're essentially raised in South Carolina. You go to North Augusta High School. Tell me a little bit about your childhood and, and growing up and your years at North Augusta.
2: Well, one of the key things about my career, for sure, is I have a brother who was is three years older than I. He was very athletic, and uh, we played—baseball was our number one sport, of course, back then, and we didn't play any peewee football or any of that kind of stuff. But as far as an athletic uh, proudness, he he was very, very, very—he played baseball for the Clemson um, Tigers baseball team, and and that was part of the reason why I went to Clemson, because they— Surprisingly enough, they offered my brother a baseball scholarship when when I decided to go to Clemson. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I figured there was a little connection there, that, uh, and they promised me I could play baseball during the spring. And of course, when spring rolled around, they Frank Howard came in there and said, Do "You think you're ready to play for the play football for the Tigers, for the first team?" And I said, "Well, I, I guess I, I guess I could." pass on the baseball deal. So uh, typical, typical college deal. They did stuff to get me to come to the school, and I I loved it though. I mean, I I wasn't going to go anywhere else, but um, I had offers all over the country, all over the South, for sure, Tennessee, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Alabama, Auburn. But I had to go to Clemson because my brother was up there on the baseball team. Sure.
1: And you were, but I you, did never
2: regretted it. I'll tell you one thing: I, ne- I never regretted playing in Clemson. I, I loved the uh, small town atmosphere, and, and the, the fans were tremendous. Yeah,
1: yeah and you, um, and two things: one, you had been a in high school; you were a wide receiver, and then you became a quarterback. And a lot of schools that wanted you wanted to put you back at receiver, but you wanted to play QB and Clemson promised you, you'd be a QB. That played a big That's part. Exactly. In the decision, <laughs> you, right? You've done your homework.
2: <laughs> you've done your homework. That's exactly right. They, they promised me Tennessee and Georgia. They all were going, look, look, I mean, I mean, you're really, a, really a good quarterback, but your, your future is at a defensive back position or a wide receiver position. And I we was going no 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 I'm a quarterback and, and I probably should have gone to Georgia or Tennessee because it, it was at that time they were a, a more progressive systems than Clemson's was uh, as far as production. But sure enough, everything worked out just fine. And because I started at quarterback at Clemson and then. Um, about halfway through my sophomore year, I was starting at quarterback, and I broke my big toe during one of the one uh, one of the games. And I sat out one game, and then the next week, um, I got my toe shot up. And I and instead of playing quarterback, I couldn't because I couldn't practice during the week. Uh, they put me at wide receiver, and I. And that was the beginning of my versatility. You know, hey, they they saw that somebody, people saw that I had some athletic qualities to me that that uh, that, that I could actually play defense. I was a wide receiver. I was a, a defensive back, possibly. The same thing that Tennessee and Georgia. You know, and Alabama too. They all said, "That's what you are. You're not a quarterback." And and. Sure enough, they were right. I was not a quarterback. I, I love I love playing quarterback. It, it, it taught me, you know, it it taught me how to, you know, how everything works, you know, in, in, in football. And, uh, so defensive back was an easier position to play than quarterback. Of course, it's the toughest one on the field, but, um, I, I, I love my time at Clemson, and it it paid off for me that I actually uh, – Gil Brand drafted me in the in the third round. Uh, they gambled on me, and uh, just I never made a tackle in my life except for after I threw a couple of interceptions. And that's about the only time I ever made a tackle. And um, – but Gil Brand uh, – he he he's a, he was a genius. He used to he was the reason why Dallas had all these different guys playing different positions, and, and I was one of them. And um, I just happened to be in the same class as Cliff Harris. He was a total, he was a free agent, and what a gamble he was. I was not a free agent. I was drafted in the third round because yeah, I think I think Gil Brandt, so. I, Sold, sold me to the to the brain trust at Dallas, and um, but Cliff and I ended up playing the same position. We were really good friends our whole career. And uh, he, halfway through his first year as a starting starting rookie safety, and I was on the bench, you know, playing on special teams. Uh, Cliff's national guard unit got caught up to active duty the Vietnam crisis was active at that time and the way the way to get out of it was to join a national guard group well his national guard group got called up to active duty and i got to play Uh, so they they put me in the lineup and i started seven games i led the team in interceptions i think my rookie year and, and then when cliff came back the next year he's he, he gained his job back because he was a better free safety than I. I was I was drafted as a projected uh, strong safety behind Cornell Green. Sure. Eventually, I, that's what that's how it all started. And Cliff and I some relationship, I yielded back to him. I said, you know, hey, you're 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 the starter. I just took your place because he he had to go on the week. The whole week he we had to spend at camp, and then he'd come in on the weekend and just play on special teams because he couldn't – as complicated as our, as our game plans were, he couldn't – you know, he, he, he just could not make that big of a gap, change the gap, you know. I love it. it. It ended up – I made the all-rookie team and which, you know, I started I think eight or nine games. But I still made the all rookie team, um, and I think that was that was my first award that I received. I think I got five interceptions. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Gil, it's typical Gil Grant genius, knows what it was.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and let me ask you real quick about your Clemson years, because yeah, when they moved you from QB to wide receiver, you put up huge numbers. I mean, it's, you know, especially thinking you know late '60s on a team that doesn't throw the ball that much. In a season and a half, you have almost seventy catches for like twelve hundred yards. You're averaging like seventeen yards a catch. I mean, you put a big yeah, number seventeen yards a catch. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty impressive for that era. That's, uh, that's a pretty big number for a team that doesn't throw the ball very much. Yeah, exactly. And and the coach you, you talked about him a second ago, Frank Howard. You know, he is a legend, right? He he coached Clemson. He retired after your senior year, so he coached Clemson for 30 years. He was an assistant for 10 before that, so almost four full decades. Tell me a little bit about playing for him, uh, you know, in those in those years at Clemson.
2: Well, it was very colorful, to say the least. He, he, uh, <laughs> he used to I – mean, I've got a lot of stories, but they're, most of them are X-rated, so I, I, I'll probably – I'll hold off on telling you some of them, but uh, – he, he just was such a crass, direct, just matter of fact, you know, and he would humble the, the players, and I was going, I'll just tell you one little quick story. Sure. The, uh, I, I was a holder for extra points and field goals because I had I had real good hands. I was, My brother and I, Keith, we baseball players, and so we had great hand-eye coordination. That's what we love to play. Sure. And so I held for extra points and field goals. Uh, one of my for my first year there at, at uh, Clemson, and uh, we, we were playing Alabama in the first drive of the of, of the of the game. We moved down the field goal range, and I went in and I held. For the the field goal uh, attempt and it was probably around 17 20 yards it wasn't very far and um, and Steely Candler was our kicker and he, he we went out there and, and you know same, same old routine it wasn't it was a nice snap I got the ball down perfectly and he shanked it and and I was running off the field and I was trotting I, I, behind Steely Tanner and when Coach Howard met him about halfway on the <laughs> halfway onto the field and said he called him a gutless mf <laughs> <laughs> he, he said well, he, he called him a gutless mf and I'm going Coach wait a minute I mean We've got this is just the first quarter. You don't need to freak the guy out any more than where he is. He's already freaked out. Kickers are all weird. And I was a whore my, my whole career in the in the NFL and I remember that day vividly because it just stunned and Steely Canner just went shunned and he just went into a coma and he, he had several opportunities later on in the game and he missed all of them. So <laughs> <laughs> it just lets you know how there wasn't much passion involved with. Or, I, I don't think Coach ever thought too much about uh, psychological uh, status of of kickers. You know, he, he, you, you need to play them up on the good side and, instead of beating them down like a like a like an offensive lineman. You can beat those guys down and they can they'll come back and. And, and, but, but a kicker? No, they're fragile.
1: Yeah, yeah. The last thing you want to do is have a kicker go into a shell, and you're going to need him later. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. I'm all, I'm trying to build him up, and Coach Howard's beating him down. <laughs> <laughs> And then, that's, and one then like, my, that's one of my best coach. Stories, that's,
1: that's funny. Well, I remember reading him talking about, you know, because now Clemson famously comes into the stadium and they run down the hill and they all touch Howard's rock. And I remember seeing an interview of him. I, I know he passed away like 25 years ago, but I remember seeing an interview of him and they asked about the origin. He said, well, I basically had this rock. And I said to the boys, if you want to play hard for me, you can touch my rock. And if you don't want to, then don't touch that rock. <laughs> Not as straightforward as to be. you right. <laughs>
2: kind of a dizzy little thing, but you know we all bought into it. You know, That's what, there's a lot of young kids out there that are trying to play above their their skill set, and and next thing you know, if you touch the rock, you It's magical. You, you run down the hill, you climping never, you never loses that climping.
1: Frank I was, he up with that idea. Yeah, and, and so you you mentioned Gil Brandt. So, I mean, those Cowboys teams are fascinating because in the late 60s, in the years before you get there, they go to a couple NFL championship games, but they lose, you know, usually to Green Bay. But they're a playoff team. They're kind of derisively being called next year's team, next year's champion. Um, That's correct. Gil, yeah, and Gil Brandt is doing something, and you touched on it, He's got this vision. He takes a college wide receiver and quarterback and, and drafts him as a strong safety. That's you. He's got Cornell Green, who turns into a great NFL cornerback. Was a basketball player at Utah State. Pete Gent was never a res-
2: played. He never played football. He, yeah, he was a basketball player his whole whole
1: life. And and,
2: and Gil Brandt gambles on him, and he's an all pro.
1: Yeah. And, you know, takes Bob Hayes, who's an you know Olympic sprinter, turns him into a Hall of Fame receiver. Um, you know, Mel yeah. Renfro's a track guy from Oregon. You know, even even guys like Randy White kind of followed a similar path to you. It comes in moves him around to a few different positions. And then it's not until kind of that second or third year where he settles in and becomes, you know, a hall of fame defensive tackle. So it's just kind of fascinating. He's, you know, he's playing, he's playing chess with, you know, with you guys. And, you know, usually it worked out pretty well.
2: Absolutely. And and I owe my success. At my career moved to, to Gil Brandt. I mean, it's just the genius of Gil Brandt. I never questioned him. Uh, he, <laughs> I, I used to tease him an awful lot because he had some funny little habits. But um, he, he, I was one of the one of the gambles, and it worked. And uh, they took me in the third round. And I, I probably should have, um realistically, I should have been around like a fifth or sixth round pick. But instead, he took me in the third round. And he, he traded up to to get me. And um, And I'm thankful for Gil, you know, to Gil Brandt for for taking a chance on me, you know, and 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 it paid off for me and for the team.
1: And like you said, you know, it's not like oh, you know, he's a high school, uh, whatever, college receiver. I'm going to move him to running back or something. It's like you had never played defense outside of throwing an interception and having to tackle the guy. You've never made a tackle, but he sees you making tackles in the NFL. I mean, it's really amazing. Yeah.
2: He also sees to be running the defense, and he knows how complicated Tom Landry's defensive scheme is. And it it takes a guy that's a quarterback, you know, I guess you. Think, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the quarterback to make sure that he does the right thing. Well, sure. there's a lot of pressure on me to make sure I the defense that that we were supposed to be playing, I made sure everybody on the defensive team knew it in the secondary and also the linebackers. And then the middle linebacker was to control the defensive line, but I controlled the, all everybody in the secondary.
1: Yeah, and and that draft, you know, when when you talk about like stellar drafts that help build a team, and obviously the '75 draft for you guys was a great one, but that '70 draft that you were a part of, you get Dwayne Thomas, you, uh, Cliff Harris, like you said, came in as a free agent. John Fitzgerald becomes a starting center. Pat Toomey is a starting defensive lineman for you guys. Mark Washington is a, you know, kind of a nickelback, you know, type D-back for you guys. Like that was a hell of a draft that kind of set you guys it was up. was a hell of
2: a draft. We yeah. we all felt our own and played a role in the success of the team that year. and uh, a lot of, lot of rookies in there. And, and it was all based on Gil Brandt's That's genius I mean, I, I give him credit. Yeah. He, he, he figured it out. He saw something in every one of those guys you mentioned right there. that And they all panned out to be, you know, Cornel Green was all pro for sure. Mel Rufra
1: was off the charts all pro. He was great. And you come in. And like you said, you know Cliff is at free safety. Then you play a bunch of games. You make the all rookie team with your with your five picks. You guys go to the Super Bowl. You, you play the Colts. It's a sloppy Super Bowl. A lot of turnovers. Um, first of all, what's it like? You're lining up in the Super Bowl. You're playing against Johnny Unitas. This is a guy you've probably been watching since you were like six years old. Uh, what, what's it like lining up against Johnny? You even though at that point, you know his career on the on the downside. Well, you called
2: it, you know, I I grew up watching him. I thought he was one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, and he was. But here I am, and the only rookie on the defensive team starting, and I never made a tackle in my life until until Cliff Harris got called up to active duty. And uh, so... I, I felt comfortable making the right decisions because Coach Landry was a quarterback in college, and he, when he went to the NFL, he played defensive back. And I think he saw me in himself, um, and, and so he knew how to coach me. and 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 I and I was responsible for making changes on the defensive. Our defense was highly complicated. It wasn't just go knock the crap out of the guy in front of you and go make the tackle. It wasn't that way. It was the flex defense, which is, don't get me to try to explain what the flex defense was because it, it was off the charts, crazy nuts, right. and everybody would go. And then, you, had a, you know, the Randy White would be in a frog stance, and, and how's he going to knock the crap out of somebody in front of him when he's sitting in a like a frog? And um, But it it was comical, but it worked. It was genius. I mean, it was all based on blocking angles. And and then everything changed based on formation, and I had to make the changes in the secondary. And so that's why I ended up being a pretty decent, strong safety, because you're right in the middle of the defense, and you control everything. Uh, So you give hand signals to the rest of the guys in the secondary because it might be changing. And sure enough, it was changing every, every play. It, you have to make a change. And yeah, I felt, I felt comfortable with that, you know, because I was a quarterback and I, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't shun away from any of that stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and, and in your secondary, I mean, you and Cliff are rookies and, and even in the next year, you know, obviously you're still very young players and you've got Cornell Green, who we've talked about, who's a All-Pro corner. Right. You've got Mel Renfro, Hall of Fame corner, and you've got Herb Adderley, also, um, who's come over from Green Bay. The guys won five championships in Green Bay playing for Lombardi, and he's still got you know some tread on the tire. Like, are those guys pulling you and Cliff aside and like you know helping you with you know kind of footwork and strategy or? is it, you know, a little bit more competitive than that and they don't want any young kid taking their job? Like, how does, how does that dynamic work?
2: Well, basically, uh, Cornell, when Cornell retired, I ended up taking the strong safety position. Or I replaced him. Sure. And then Cliff was the free safety. And Cliff had already been playing free safety. started. I, I didn't start my first year as a rookie. Right. Um, I, I was groomed. Uh, and I, I had a locker next to Cornell Green, and he taught me a lot of the ropes of of, of the defensive scheme that Coach Landry had, and Cornell was quite the athlete. Uh, but Cornell was there, and I ended up taking his spot. Mel at one corner, Herb Adderley at the other corner, and then Cliff Harris, a free agent uh, from Washington Baptist, which...
1: Tell I me, mean,
2: you know where that is? <laughs> well,
1: I I, I only it's do because somewhere
2: I'm... in Arkansas.
1: Yeah, Arkadelphia. Because I had to look it up. Let's just say it's not Alabama. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it's not Alabama, and it's Gil Brent was is I give him a lot of credit. He, yeah. he did a lot. Of, he did a lot for me, and he did a lot for um, a lot of different players. And, and Coach Landry would. Put us in a flex defense, and Randy White would be in a frog stance, uh, about two yards off the ball. So, it, and I'm thinking, why don't we just put Randy right there in front of the guard every time and let him knock the crap out of him because he's gonna he's gonna win the battle. But that's not that's not the way Tom, Tom Landry did it. So, it was it was fascinating to watch our defensive team and how it worked. Yeah, it, it, it did, and we had to. We, you know, and that was my job was to make sure that I coordinated, coordinated the changes because it had to change on the fly, and everybody sure. knew that. And, you know, so they all had to listen to me, and, and I'd we, I'd uh, give hand signals, and, and that would and I'd bounce that over to the other side of the formation, and sure enough, it would work. And Coach, Leonard, you know, he's the one that, that designed it, and uh, it it was very successful very Yeah.
1: Successful. And and it's and you you guys lose that rookie year, you lose that Super Bowl to Baltimore. It's kind of a sloppy game, horrible. Yeah. Horrible game, sloppy game. <laughs> yeah. And you lose that one and the next year and it's interesting too because like obviously we've been talking a lot about Gil Brandt and building the team through the draft. But he brings in also brings in a bunch of like stars who have a couple of years left, right? We we mentioned Herb Adderley at corner. He brings in Lance Allworth at wide receiver. He brings in Ditka to play tight end. Uh Forrest Gregg comes in and starts on the offensive line. What was it like having those guys come in that locker room? You know, because those are big names. I mean, every one of those guys is a huge name.
2: Well, they, I'll say this, they didn't, Cal down to us. They held themselves in in good stead, in good standing, and they they all held their job up. Or they, if they hadn't done that, they'd been gone. So, mm. but they they it all meshed meshed in really good, and it, it it's all this is all genius with Gil Brent once again. Uh, I give them credit for find going out and find these guys because you've got to have the right personality too. Not, not only, uh, do they have to have the physical prowess to play the game, but you've got to have the mental capacity to understand the, the changes that, 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 Tom Landry designed on defense. Cause that's, that was the genius of Tom Landry was the defensive, defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And, they, and they, there was a lot of really good players from other teams. And Herb Adderley, you know, um, he, he ended up, he was say, look, I don't even want to hear what, you, what the changes are. I just want to play my, play my guy man-to-man. And, you know, we had to put up with a little bit of that you know, because Coach Landry didn't like that, that concept. But uh, Herb was, was a very, very... Proficient corner. Sure. When we had him, when we when we got him, we got him at the peak of his game. And of course, Mel Renfro was a freaking freak. <laughs> you know, he he was he was uh, a track star. And never never wasted a step. I mean, he was awesome, very athletic. Yeah. Bad hands, but Cornell had the worst hands in the history of the league. He, I bet he knocked down. Thirty passes is his my first year when I played with him. It's when he was playing strong safety, and and I was playing free safety. I, I he, he just had he just didn't. For a basketball player, he had bad hand-eye coordination, and, and but we we would tease him about it. But it still didn't still did it, it did not affect our defensive team. I mean, he he was very very good, very sure.
1: very solid at, at what he did. And, and I have to ask two things about that that team in that year. The first one is during the season. Obviously, you've got you've got two very good quarterbacks, Roger Staubach and Craig Morton, and Landry over the years, over the prior like two or three years, had just not been able to figure out the right mix. Who was the guy? He's in that. Team I like the way
2: you say that. <laughs> I, I, like, I like the way you
1: said that. They couldn't figure it out. <laughs> yeah. It's like for a man yeah. who's made so many good decisions, he just could not make the de- He's alternating them. There's one game against Chicago in your Super Bowl year where he's alternating plays. I mean, like, obviously, yeah. that just wasn't the model. And they changed it. They settled on Staubach almost immediately after that. But what was that like for a player in the locker room? Well,
2: defensively, we thought it was the goofiest thing we've ever heard of just want me to be completely candid with you. <laughs> I mean, it just – I guess it would be a problem for the defensive team to have an, one quarterback that had a particular style, and then the next play you have another quarterback that had another particular style. Like Craig was m- much more accurate is throwing the ball. and Roger was, of course, good. Would uh, scramble and make things happen, and you know, no, they alternated back and forth every play. I think, and it wasn't that what it was.
1: Yeah, it was for the first like ten games, like first seven or eight games of the year, they rotated games, and then you guys go to Chicago, and he rotates plays. So it's like Staubach has first down, Morton has second down. They're like coming in and out of the. <laughs> I mean, it's just like I don't think, think, about, ever been
2: think done. about how crazy that is. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, and and you guys lost that game, and I think he realized, okay, this doesn't work anymore. I gotta, and so he picked Staubach, and obviously it turned out to be a pretty good decision. Pretty good decision, yeah. <laughs> pretty good decision. And then the other one is in that Super Bowl, you guys beat Miami, and I interviewed Bob Lilly on the show about a year ago, and I it, it's not the easiest stat to find, but I, I think I dug it up. The sack he had on Greasy. Is still the, the biggest, the longest postseason. The biggest loss? Yeah, biggest loss. biggest loss. Yeah. And it's like the third biggest yeah. loss of all time. There's like one or two regular season ones that are like a yard longer, but it's still the biggest postseason loss. As a defensive player, you're watching that play. Was that just the craziest play you've seen? Yes, that was one of the craziest things.
2: And I, I remember Lily was chasing him in, in and quarterback. Scrambles, runs one way. Lily's right on him. Next thing you know, he scrambles the other way. Lily's right on him, and he goes back. What was it? Like a twenty-seven yard loss or something like that? Yeah, I don't know what it was, 20,
1: but it was. A, might have been twenty-nine. It was, it was,
2: it was in the twenties. <laughs> I know that, and it really, it was, it was one of the turning points of the game.
1: Right. Frankly,
2: you know that. <laughs> to, for a quarterback to go that far backwards thinking he's still going to run away from a defensive lineman and we we'll let you know how agile Bob Lilly was at his size. He, he did, he corralled him and got it. Yeah. It was awesome.
1: Yeah. That was, that was a huge turning point. And in that game, when, when I think it was Ditka catches a touchdown kind of early in the fourth quarter, that pretty much puts the game away. Like, you're not letting yeah. them do anything offensively. Dick scores that touchdown. Now it's pretty much over. What's that feeling like on the sidelines when you realize you guys are going to be the Super Bowl champs?
2: Well, because of the year before, and look, this is first time that we – the Super Bowl, the first time we went to the Super Bowl was the year before, and we lost. You know, that was terrible. So, you know, we were – we were reeling with that, but we used that as a as a drive to, to not make any mistakes, or to make sure that we were flawless when we went into the next Super Bowl. And uh, I mean, it's really hard to to get up for all those playoff games because you never know whether what play is going to happen, one play is going to happen to turn the game around, you know. Uh, but we made it, and we made it to that Super Bowl, and we won. And it was so. It was like that. We, you know, we got the monkey off our back finally. And it, we weren't next year's champions. We were this year's champions. And yeah. That's truly what it was. It was. It. And it was all based on it was Landry, it was Gil Brandt, it was all the athletic players we used, the, the gambles that that Gil Brand made,
1: and and over the next couple of years, I mean, obviously every year, I mean, well, first of all, I should just stay up front. You're in the pros for 12 years. You go to the playoffs, 11 of those 12. And the one year you guys didn't go to the playoffs, you still had a winning record. You were, it's just, you were eight and six. So, you know, suffice to say, you're going to the playoffs every year. In 73, you guys have, you know, speaking of drafts, you, you get Billy Joe Dupree, Harvey Martin and Drew Pearson. Um, You still have a guy like Calvin Hill who's rushing for over a thousand yards. Uh, Yeah. Bob Hayes. Um, And Ernie Stotner comes in as the defensive coordinator and he, he becomes like a, you know, a fixture at that position. What, what's Stotner like as uh, your defensive coordinator? And also tell me about Gene Stallings, who's your D-backs coach who would go on to win a national title at Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. They,
2: they made coaching changes uh, early in my career and I had a lot of respect for for Ernie stoutner because he was so physical and he played so many years in the league uh, but then again he had to develop he needed, he had to understand the flex defense we all had to we all had to know our little our little uh, area of of the flex defense in And Coach Stoller, he got it. He figured it out, and and, I, I was impressed. Uh, Gene Stallings, same exact thing. Uh, He ran. He was a college head coach, and uh, had success in college. And he he adjusted to the
1: secondary and how we how we ran our defensive team. And and that seventy four year. Is is the year that you guys don't make the playoffs, and again, you, still a winning record. And two things I want to ask about that one. One is during the season, you guys play in one, one of the most iconic regular season games of the last half century, uh, Thanksgiving. You're playing the Redskins, and Roger gets hurt, and Clint Longley comes in, Clint back up, comes Nobody's ever heard of him before. Three quarter, three touchdowns in the second half, and you guys win. And my my favorite line is Blaine Nye, one of your offensive linemen, says that there is an example of the uh, the triumph of the uncluttered mind, <laughs>
2: the, <laughs> just, the genius of an uncluttered mind. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's absolutely right. That was that was it. Because if he didn't know what he was doing, he probably would have freaked out. But no, Clint Clint has, Clint Clint had some style about him. He did. He. he uh, and he had some guts too. I mean, to get in there and take over that
1: day. And what he talk? three touchdown passes. Yeah, I think I think it was three touchdowns,
2: and yeah. uh, and that the last one was the long the long post route. The bomb that drew was awesome. So, but that 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 too. There you go. There's another there's another guy that Gil Brandt, has, you know, gambled on. He, Ended up winning. And if we hadn't won that game, we probably would have gone backwards that year.
1: And and then after that season, it's kind of a shift. It's you're kind of going from that a lot of those, you know, kind of cowboys, all of a sudden Bob Lilly's retiring, Walt Garrison's retiring. Hayes gets traded to San Francisco. Uh, Craig Morton is sent to the Giants. Calvin Hill leaves for the WFL. There's like a real kind of turning over, and now it's it's, you know, Harvey Martin and Drew Pearson and um, it, Randy White is being drafted and Tutal Jones is being drafted. It, like, you know, a, a big change. I guess the good news from your perspective is you guys keep winning. Uh, but what, what's that like? All of a sudden, you and Cliff are two of, you know, kind of the veterans all of a sudden.
2: Yeah, we um, <clears throat> we ended up playing, you know, male, male retired. And we had her badly on the other side and i think he retired yep uh and we ended up finding two corners Benny barnes and mark washington you know not any household names but sure. players that ran the defense just the way we expected them them to do it and if they didn't do it that way they may have been gone but uh but they're highly intelligent and it take it it takes a little bit of brains to run the, you know, to understand the, what Coach Landry wanted you to do, and as, as, as I keep harping on this, same thing over and over, uh, it, it it it's what's between the ears that, that won games for us, right? And Landry would stress it in a big way. So, yeah. And the it, next- that was a big that was a big change here and, and we we made the change and kept winning.
1: Yeah. I mean the, the next year you go back to the Super Bowl. Obviously, it's a tight game. You lose to Pittsburgh. That's the one where Lynn Swan just goes off, which I'm sure drives you crazy. Yeah. What, what are the memories of that one? <laughs> Not good. Yeah. No one talks about it. <laughs> yep. Understood. Not good. We we we
2: hate the Steelers. We if we get one more shot at them, we probably get them. We used to always say that,
1: but not not true. Yeah. Well, I mean, two Titanic teams, um, and then and then and then the '77 season comes around. Now you've gotten in the draft Tony Dorsett, uh, who's just won the Heisman at Pitt. I mean,
2: he he looked a little undersized to me, uh-huh. uh, but he was put together so well. Uh, he never he, I, I, he didn't really get hurt that often. I mean he would have a little nicks and mix and stuff like all of us did but uh, I mean he he'd break out in the open he was going yeah and yeah I and mean, that just doesn't happen. Um, I mean he could accelerate in a,
1: in a second <laughs> right uh, and and do some good. I mean, it's, it's amazing to think of the running backs you guys had, and the you know obviously Calvin Hill and Garrison and and Dwayne Thomas, who was a beast, you know, for that short period of time, and then and then they're yeah. all kind of gone, and then it's Tony Dorsett, I and mean, it's pretty impressive. Back Tony field.
2: Dorsett, I think, him, yeah, that was uh, he, he he could go the distance on every every time he touched the ball, and yeah, I, I can't imagine what it was like for the defensive team that had to. Corral that guy because uh, he was I mean, he could fly. He he could juke you and you could he make you look like a, an uncoordinated defensive player on some of his jukes that he would make. Yeah. And uh and then he and then he'd just kick into the next year and outrun you.
1: And he
2: was great. He was great.
1: Yeah. And, and let me add, so so in, in the postseason. That season, 77, where where you're about to win another Super Bowl, you guys play Chicago, who've kind of come out of nowhere. And, and you guys kill them in the game. But it's funny, I just I'm just curious if you remember this. I, I interviewed Gary Fenstick on this show. And he was saying that, you know, he and Plank were coming together as safeties. And that in the pregame warmups before the game, you know, they didn't think anybody knew who they were. And in the pregame warmups, you and Cliff kind of gesture over them. Like, Hey, come here, come here, come here. And they're like, man, we've been watching you guys. You guys are nuts. You guys fly around back there. And they said that, you know, they, they obviously got killed by you guys that day. And they said that they were, you know, he said that, you know, we're on the plane flying home going, can you believe, you know, Waters and Harris know who we are? <laughs> do, do, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's the
2: first time I've heard that story. That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I remember us, Cliff and I talking about it. it, it that. Both of those guys were highly talented. And – but I don't think there was a better combination than Chris and I for the years that we played together,
1: so. Yeah. And that that season was, like, again, in that Chicago game, you have three picks. Um, Yeah. And then, I mean, is that just – yeah, is that just one of those games where you're just feeling it? You're like, throw another one my way. Like, I got this.
2: You know, you get that feeling. You know, I guess you've played football before because sometimes you kind of get that feeling and you think, well, I, I, I'm all all over this thing. You need to throw another one at me so or close to me and I don't make the play. But um, it, you don't get those games very often. You know, those are few and far between. But it's, I, I, I remember it very succinctly. Yeah, I just felt like I might have, I might have got six interceptions if they'd have if they'd have thrown it a little bit more. But uh, you've got to have pressure on the quarterback, though. Let me just show you that you've got to have a pressure on the quarterback with Randy White in the middle, Jeff and those guys coming from the outside. John Benton, Ed Jones, Holy mackerel. I mean, Ed Jones was eight feet tall or something like that. Um, because the quarterback couldn't even see where you was throwing it half the time. You
1: know? Oh, yeah. And then you got wait, too tall. And you got Harvey Martin. Yeah.
2: Harvey Martin, who would not as midget by any means. Um, he was awesome. Very, very aggressive.
1: Um, and I loved watching. But, yeah. I was watching the film of the Super Bowl against Denver. And... I think you guys had seven turnovers total. You forced seven. And that's an interesting game because in in the end, you win by 17 points. But in the first five minutes, you guys fumble three times. Like, it could have been a disaster, but you get lucky, and every single one of them, you recover. And so, you know, Denver misses a bunch of opportunities early. Wow,
2: you've done your homework. That was pretty good. I don't remember that. that We put the ball down on the ground three times, and we didn't –
1: lose them yeah yeah lose one, any was on, one was on a punt return wow. one, was, one was I think butch Johnson on a reverse and some and another play uh but but one, you guys were able to pounce on it and then and then you guys on defense tee off and I was watching some of the clips and some of them are amazing there's a play where you and Randy white crush Craig Morton and he he should have just eaten the ball but he throws it and Randy Hughes Is just there. He just it's like a little duck and he just fields it. Yeah. It
2: was yeah, I had Craig by the throat or by his jersey, had his neck on his jersey, pulling him down to the ground. He still tries to throw the ball and it drops right in the Randy Uses chest.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then and then, like, I don't know if it's a drive or two later, I think it was Jack Dolbin, catches the ball. And as soon as he catches it, man, you pound him and he coughs it up. I think Randy recovered that one too. I think that was a fumble recovery for Randy.
2: <laughs> yeah, Randy Randy was the best football player I've ever seen in my life. You can quote me on that. I mean, he was the best football player. And I think if you ask anybody, in his position, there's nobody, I mean, there's nobody ever better than Randy White. He was the greatest defensive tackle I've ever seen in the history of the game. Now, Bob Lilly was different than, than Randy. He was much more agile. But Randy was just about as agile as, as Bob, but he was much more physical. But sure, so was Bob Lilly. I mean, he was so large. He was like 6'5, six, 6'6. Six, 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 long arms, understood the flex defense. Very, they all had to know exactly what the flex defense was.
1: Right yeah. and in fifteen years, yeah. fifteen or sixteen years, missed one game, one. Yeah, just yeah. just one game. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's
2: <laughs> crazy. And, As a defensive lineman,
1: yeah, that's yeah, it's just amazing. And when you're and you and, and and during this game, so you guys are forcing Denver to cough it up, and you're you're hitting guys and stripping guys, and you know there's turnovers all over the place, and then turnovers and, all over the place. Yeah, I, th- I think there were seven that game um, for you. And then and then and and you even uh also played a part because early on when you guys weren't getting touchdowns yet, at one point after one of the turnovers, the drive stalls and there's a field goal attempt, and the ball comes back to you. Literally, it's a ground ball back to you. <laughs> but you're able to, you know, kind of get it and position it and hold it, and Herrera knocks it through and kind of gets you guys to an early lead. Um and then and then I don't the, even remember that. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I didn't remember. I just saw the video of it. Um, yeah. But then, but then there's the Butch Johnson touchdown catch on the option from yeah. Newhouse. When you're on the sidelines, what's it like when you see a guy like that make that type of catch?
2: Well, I I thought it was a fumble, frankly, or incomplete pass. And uh, then when I saw it over again slowly on the video board, uh, the replay. Uh, they replayed it, and it was a catch. He had it, uh, brought it to his chest as he rolled over in the end zone, and then then it came out. So once he hits the ground, it's a touchdown, right? And at least that's the way I saw it. Or, but I thought for at first that it was a
1: fumble, <laughs> right? You're like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, uh, here we go again. Uh, yeah, and then. Um, and then the next year you guys play Pittsburgh again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair I enough. I don't
2: want to talk about Pittsburgh.
1: <laughs> and then, and then in '79 you you tear your ACL and you miss the entire yeah. season. And at this point, you're you yeah. know like 22 or something like that. Like, are you thinking, "Damn, this could be the end," or do you know you've got some more ball in you?
2: Uh, I, I initially I thought that it was going to be the end, especially when I had the, um, when, I, when I was limping around on crutches and, uh, and I ended up doing the broadcast the color, color guy on the broadcast. But I ended up, I loved coming back for the next few years because I was, I, I played a lot, I played a lot more, a lot less physical, a lot, lot smarter. Mm-hmm and um and I was able to hold on and ran, run the defense accordingly and uh Cliff was not on the team he he had ret- retired right uh, the, my last two years I played without him, and so i played they were called Charlie's Angels is what they called the defensive backs yeah bunch so of young first second year guys and and uh, they all they all looked to me, and I kept them together, and it worked. We we ended up being successful again. So, with, with a whole new
1: group of defensive backs. Yeah, I mean, now all of a sudden you're Especially playing with- losing Cliff. That was that was huge. Yeah, Dennis Thurman, uh, Everson Walls, Michael Dennis, Downs. Thurman, Benny Barnes, Everson Walls, uh, Aaron Mitchell, or Steve Wilson. Aaron, Steve Wilson, and Aaron Mitchell. Aaron Mitchell was
2: tough. Now yeah. Aaron Aaron could have played strong safety. He was yeah. physically strong. But but
1: it was my job
2: to keep them all together and we did. And we ran it we ran a, we had a good tight ship. And, uh, yeah,
1: you guys had thirty picks in eighty one. The, the four of you, you and Walt, Michael Downs. That's pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, Everson
2: Wall. Everson Wall has got 11 interceptions.
1: 11 interceptions. Yeah.
2: How'd you do that as a rookie? I know. You know? Well, you have a great defensive
1: line, number one. So, yeah. So and so then you retire after the 81 season. Um and now I have to I have to say it. I have to ask the question. Your your last game is the catch game in San Francisco. Um uh you know, what's that like? I mean, obviously this is all of a sudden San Francisco's come out of nowhere, you know, Montana guys like that. Um
2: Yeah, it was it was not good. That was a I mean, Montana was just throwing the ball away, I think. But Dwight Clark made a great adjustment. And Everson Walls was right there, and uh, but didn't see the ball. He was looking at the receiver like he's supposed to do as a man man coverage, so he didn't look back to try to because he might have been able to get it himself. So, uh, you know, I, I, that that was my last game, and they uh, it was a soggy field, terrible field, and. And I, and I said to myself at the end of the game, I said, here it was. I, I had to, they put clay pellets out on the field to try to soak up the, 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 the water that was stagnant on the field. Sure. And I said, I I, afterwards I said, I, here I was playing my last game and, a, and the whole field was Covered with kitty litter. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I said. That's what I called it because it was. that's what it looked like. You know, it was kitty litter everywhere. Yeah. Um, that's been my last one in that type of situ- type situation. which was not, not the way I wanted it to end. <laughs>
1: right. right,
2: yeah. But I never, never took myself too seriously.
1: <laughs> well, and, and, and it was amazing. Like You played in 25 playoff games. Like I mentioned at the top, in five of them, you caused two or more turnovers, either interceptions, fumble recoveries, making a hit that forced a fumble. Um, your team's record was 17 and eight in those playoff games. I mean, you guys won 70% of your playoff games, which is staggering. You that's won. Incredible.
2: That's, that's, a, that's a great statistic that I'm very proud of. As a, and that's what you're playing for. That, that lets you know that there was a special. I mean, we expected to get to the playoffs. We expected, you know, Tom Landry trained us to think that way, right? And uh, we expected to make the playoffs, and sure enough, we made it, and we won a lot.
1: Yeah, uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it really is staggering, especially now that you've got expanded playoffs. I mean, I mean, the first couple of years you played, there wasn't even a wild card round. And then they introduced that and now you've got seven teams making it. And yet even still, and, and now, you know, obviously it's a fun league to watch and it's pass happy, but even still, even today, nobody has more than nine interceptions in, in post-season history. It's you along with Ronnie Lott, Ed Reed, and Bill Simpson, right. pretty good company. Right. That's pretty good company. Pretty good yeah. company. As we sign off, let me just read a quote that I thought was just, it was just great. Cause it kind of captures everything and it. It also shows, like the unique unique nature of sports, how things kind of tie together. So Dabo Swinney is the head coach at Clemson now. He played for Gene Stallings at Alabama and won a national title for him. He was a wide receiver under Stallings. And Stallings obviously was your d coach for the Cowboys, right? So there's like this whole kind of loop. And Swinney was asked about you once, and he said, Stallings used to tell us at Alabama all the time, that Charlie Waters was his favorite player. And he said, he used to say, my fi- my favorite player was Charlie Waters because he was smarter than everybody else. He played faster than everybody else. He saw everything and he anticipated everything. That was pretty high praise. Wow, that is great praise. And that's, I really appreciate that. Well, I, you know, first of all, Charlie, I, I can't tell you it, it's been a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun, and I trust me, I'm not a Cowboys fan. You've either. honestly
2: done your homework. You, <laughs> you know a lot more about
1: this than I even I do. Remember, so I don't, I don't, I don't go back and reflect on it that often. So, Charlie, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
2: And I appreciate you uh, giving me a call.
1: And thank you for listening to Chasing Hardware. I've been your host, Rich Lumello. The Michael Stanley Band brought us in, and the suburbs with Life is Like are going to take us out. Speak to you next time.